You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, gobble, gobble, gobble. Get the corn ready for Paul. It's a Thanksgiving week preview here on One Giant Step. This week is all convoluted. I'm seeing Paul too close together now. Is it Thursday? Is it Friday? No, it's Tuesday night by the time we're recording this ahead of the Giants' much-anticipated trip to Dallas to take on the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. In a game like, let's face it, I don't want to sound defeated. None of us do because we want to find some avenues of positivity. But a game that unfortunately has lost its luster uh, after the injuries that have hit the Giants a little bit. And it feels like the Giants, the last thing they needed was three days off between a game and to calm things down. And maybe this is a situation where you just try to gather yourself and know that the season is not over no matter what happens on Thursday. But Paul, how are you here on One Giant Step? Uh, doing very well, Sean. Good to talk to you again. Again, so soon, obviously, since our last show. But I want to make something very clear. And I get it. Thursday, Thanksgiving, Dallas, arch rival, national television. It's a game that in some ways a lot of people are giving it playoff kind of hype. And I understand that because the Giants and the Cowboys are tied in the standings. But you know what? If you look at this realistically, and you have to, the Giants really have three more important games to come after this game. It's what they do against Washington, Philadelphia, and Washington in the ensuing weeks that is so much more critical than what they do against the Cowboys on Thursday. I just want to make that clear from the get-go. So I'm with you. And um, before we actually, you know, break down what we can look ahead to and some of the injury news we got to, it's, it's both a gift and a curse, right? How many years in a row have we sat here talking about the Giants, not us together, uh, in general, but, you know, just Giant fans, Giant media, everybody watches the games talking. And Thanksgiving week, I mean, let's face it, you're at the dinner table watching the Cowboys room against them, and we're thinking about draft position and everything else. So the idea that the Giants not only are playing on Thanksgiving, but playing in a game that people want to over, you know, amp up as a big game is cool in many ways. It is. Like, that's a positive way to look at it. That is what the Giants have done this year, is make a game that, let's face it, when the schedule came out, we thought, okay, at best, that looks like our Super Bowl doesn't really matter, and now it matters. However, to that point, Paul, under the circumstances, the Giants are seven and three. Okay, uh, anybody want to take a remembrance on what their record was when Jim Fossil had the old chips to the center of the table uh, comment? Uh, that was seven and four. Okay, and that team ended up winning twelve games and they went to a Super Bowl. So yes, sir. You know how 
how we could go from two years ago going, geez, if this team won seven games to a playoffs to freaking out that they've already won seven games and it's not enough and Thanksgiving's a must-win versus Dallas is neither here nor there. Uh, the Washington Commanders and the Dallas Cowboys are both the flavor of the last two weeks, or at least the flavor of the week. I mean, it wasn't that long ago the Cowboys lost to the to the Green Bay Packers two weeks ago. Now they killed the Vikings, so everybody is on them, uh, you know, high and mighty. And this may be a really bad matchup for the Giants, and we'll definitively find that out on Thursday. As far as the Commanders goes, that's the other reason everybody's freaking out about the Giants needing to win this game. You know, yeah, they've played well lately. They're getting Chase Young back. Just to let everybody know when you're looking at the Giants' schedule going, oh my goodness, how the Giants going to do this. Uh, The Commanders play the Falcons, not completely easy. The Giants twice in a row. The 49ers, the Browns who will have Deshaun Watson by then, and the Dallas Cowboys to close the year. So let's not act like all of a sudden Washington now is about to hit their healthy part of the schedule and stop everybody out. So just things to keep in mind when counting out the Giants right now and acting like it's utter misery if they lose two in a row here. That being said, Paul, you know, when I look ahead here and I see people on Twitter and maybe some writers saying, boy, all these injuries, this is a game that Giants really have to have and unfortunately won't have it. This is not a have to have. That That's the summation I'm going to say here. It'd be a really nice to have. Uh, I would dare say it might even be a playoff clinching type of win, essentially, if they were to somehow pull this off. But this is most assuredly not a have-to-have game, especially if they're not going to win the division. Who cares if they finish above or behind Dallas? Correct. And that's the whole point. The idea after a 7-2 and two start is that you get into the postseason. You know, and I think all of us do believe that, that Philly obviously has the inside track to win the division. So what you want to do is make sure you're one of those three wildcard teams, if you still even want to consider the playoff conversation. Now, of course, Brian Dable and his team, they're taking everything one game at a time. They're not even talking about the P word, and that's fine. But if fans want to talk about the P word, right now it looks like in the NFC there will be eight teams competing for seven spots. Right now that eighth team is the Washington Commanders, and they are two games outside of the bubble. Which basically means if you're the Giants, if you split two games with Washington, Washington will have to gain at least two games on you in the other games that they play in order just to draw even and force some type of tiebreaker for what probably would then be the third wild card. You understand? So that's why, yes, it would be great to win this game. But if your primary objective is the playoffs, this game, whatever happens, is especially if it's on the losing side, will not, and I repeat, will not give you two flat tires on the road to the playoffs. I agree. I completely agree. And I think that that's interesting when considering how the Giants are playing some of these injuries and what we've seen now, they haven't really practiced. It's been a lot of, you know, projections and walkthroughs and everything, but the injury reports we have. Okay. First of all, we got confirmation since our last, you know, Sunday night podcast, Wondell Robinson was unfortunately lost for the year. Uh, And when you tear an ACL this late is unfortunately an injury that you're probably going to look towards the beginning of next year as well. That really sucks. And, And something we had talked about in the podcast, as far as like, we haven't even seen the full, you know, toy box of what they could do with Wondell Robinson. We were finally starting to see it ironically on Sunday and to lose him. 
my I'm going to try to be positive as best I can with some of the injury news the Giants have, okay? My positive spin on the Wandell Robinson is this. We only finally just saw him get to 100 yards. So somehow, some way, the Giants had navigated themselves to seven wins with this bad receiving core we were talking about. And oh, by the way, Wandell Robinson missed a lot of those games. And say what you want to say, and I know we don't trust them returning punts. Richie James was a fine slot receiver for the Giants, right? I mean, he caught passes. He was reliable on third downs earlier in the year. So I really hate that they don't have Wandell Robinson, but I don't actually view that injury as some kind of playoff death blow to the Giants based on, well, they won a lot of games without him already. Well, the problem is Richie James now has a banged up knee. Right. And so we don't know exactly how bad that is. He's going to be a game time decision. So I would love to just tip my cap and say, I agree with you a thousand percent, but on the basis now that he is nicked up, that's a little bit more of a problem than you might hope. All right. Well, Paul, I guess maybe I should couch that by saying, I don't necessarily mean just this week versus Dallas. I mean, the long haul stretch of these games versus Washington, Philly and such in, in that, again, we've seen them win games and Richie James been a solid It's not ideal. It's not a, it's not good. You wanted to see them get better, not stay the same by having Wandell out there. But my point is again, it's not like he's been the guy who's lit the world on fire for this team. It was just, we were hoping to see more and we finally were seeing more. And by Uh, the way, just to make you feel better about Wandell Robinson, my understanding is he's going to be six to eight months. So you will have him for opening day next year. Okay. All right. So if all goes well, that that's what it looks like, which would be great. Um, the other part is I'm not so sure you see him on Thursday. They said game time decision, but a guy like Evan Neal is, is definitely on the track to come back. I, I think at, at best, I mean, at worst, we're going to see him next week versus Washington, which would be nice to get him finally back. I know Tyree Phillips is banged up. So the offensive line is going to get healthier. And I know Feliciano game time decision. Well, guess what? On tape, I went back and looked at myself too with the old 22 poll. Nick Gates held up really well in pass pro. So I'm not sure I view Feliciano as the biggest disaster if he can't go on Sunday either. I think we're all kind of excited and chomping a bit to see more Nick Gates. Yeah, I think I told you during our last program, I thought Nick Gates played extremely well in his 25 snaps in the second half last week. The key with him, and I just talked to him actually this morning, is conditioning. Uh, I said, are you prepared to give them 65 to 70 snaps? He said, you know, after that 11-play drive we had the other day, I got over to the bench and I said, wow, I can't remember what that felt like. He was a bit winded. So don't get me wrong. He's a gamer. He's a pit bull. He's not going to beg out of a game. He'll give you everything he's got for every moment that he's on the field. He's very grateful to be out there. But I'm going to be frank with you. To expect him to play at his optimum level for 65 to 70 snaps for four full quarters on Thursday may be asking a little bit much. It may be. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is Feliciano has been a good leader to the offensive line. Sure. I think if you've if you've watched the team closely, and I know you have Paul too. It's not as if Feliciano has been some ultimate Pro Bowl center out there either. He has struggled at times this year, even as a veteran. Where I guess when you're ranking, you know, the injuries that you don't want to see happen, I don't know that you get a killer, killer drop off the center position. If anything, there might be some reps where you feel like you actually get an upgrade. Okay, the other thing I wanted to bring up. Now, it could be financially motivated. It could be something you would have maybe a better intel on this. You get the initial reports from people outside the locker room, a guy like Ian Rappaport, expect Dory Jackson out four to six weeks. Then Brian Dable takes the podium on Tuesday. They are not putting a Dory Jackson on injured reserve. Again, that could be financially motivated with the cap and everything. I, I want to leave that door open. However, 
you know, if a guy is definitely going to miss four weeks, you would normal circumstances place him on injured reserve, knowing, you know, it's a four week minimum and then an elevation anyway. He had also said that he saw Dory Jackson and he already was looking much better. Clearly, he's been ruled out for Thursday, nor would I expect him to play next week versus Washington. But where it really felt to me, as bad as the Wandell situation was and all the injuries, to me, the one that really bothered me the most was a Dory Jackson because he's that important to the secondary with how thin they are. I, I mean, Paul, am I reading too much into this, or do the Giants actually have a glimmer of good news over the long term getting a Dory back for some of these important games? Well, first up, Adore Jackson has truly developed into a CB1. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. He is a quality CB1 in this league. He's not a Pro Bowl level player, but he's damn good. And he's been very reliable and very durable, to be honest with you, since he's yes. come to the Giants. He and great in run support. In great in run support, too. Yes. That's just his cover stuff. Absolutely. He's a good tackler. So, right. Sean, this th- that one is a very, very, very dangerous blow to this team. Adoree Jackson, and and I would even say the Wandell Robinson one is is also a very painful one as well, despite what Richie James may be able to do. Uh, they had so much planned for him, and we just started to see that be unwrapped. Uh, um, you know, they were saving a lot of stuff for those divisional games with him. So that's going to hurt too. I will say this. I saw Dory Jackson after the game. Uh, he did not seem that upset about it. He seemed to feel like he was all right. He was not on crutches. Saw him again this week. Uh, he was in the locker room just today, uh, and he was not that hobbled. So if you are asking me, is there a little more optimism than maybe what they may have thought? Yeah, I'd say that probably is a little bit of hope and a little bit of optimism that he may not wind up being a four- to six-week guy. Of course, day-to-day that can change. Injury statuses can go up and down. We all know that. You can have a setback at any time. But um, the fact that he's not on crutches, he doesn't have a huge brace on his knee, and he's not limping around like he's on one leg, I'd say those are all good signs. All right. Now, Paul, I so I, I totally get it. And by the way, the one interview I did see today was Daniel Jones. I'm taping this. We're taping this on a Tuesday. Uh, and again, I'm reminded of in New York, I don't want to take a run at the Jets and a shot at the Jets. But when you hear Zach Wilson talk about stuff after the game, and then you hear Daniel Jones to throw in two picks and hearing and Daniel Jones knowing that the Giants have all these bodies down. Boy, am I grateful that Daniel Jones is the giant quarterback saying all the right things and basically saying, hey, Put everything on me on Thursday. I got is paraphrasing. I got to be better. I, I got to show the team that I, you know, I could lead them into battle here. I need more on my shoulders. It's a, you know, a, a paraphrasing again what Daniel Jones is basically saying. I love the attitude of Daniel Jones heading into this game. And you know, look, you can't win a game on attitude enough or stay close. But the Giants should be very grateful that here they are in late November. And with all the injuries they have, a guy who's been often injured in his career is the quarterback, and he is healthy right now. Remember, he got hurt in Dallas last year, but he is saying all the right things, Paul, in what seems like crisis time for the Giants. That should sound familiar to you, Sean, because his predecessor did exactly the same thing. Yeah, Eli Manning was the same type of guy. You want to blame me? You want to look at me and point your finger at me uh, when we lose? Fine. You can also point your finger at me when the team knows that the chips are down and they need somebody to pick it up. I'm willing to take that on my shoulders. Eli was the same way. Daniel Jones learned from him. He is, in my opinion, the unequivocal and unquestioned mature, stand-up type of leader that this team needs 
in that locker room, not just the quarterback who, in my opinion, has already proven this year that he can lead them to victories on the field. Now, another two guys who will not be playing in Dallas, Paul, as we kind of close out the injury conversation that, you know, part of what we were talking about, right, with looking ahead, you have two Washington games coming up in coming weeks, obviously the Philadelphia game in two weeks, and they close out the year with them. Those games are just as important, if not more important than Thanksgiving. And you have to wonder if on the short week, knowing they're already down, if the Giants, maybe in the back of their mind, are holding back and not rushing guys, fearful of losing them longer term. Two of those guys I'm going to mention right now. One, Daniel Bellinger, a guy that the Giants have missed since they lost him in Jacksonville. Now, Cager's done a good job passing the ball, but Bellinger is the best tight end on the roster with everything he could do, feeding off the blocks, going out, catching passes. That is a weapon, especially with Wandell out, that the Giants are going to miss. And I do wonder if they'll work in both Cager and Bellinger when he comes back. Clearly, yeah, he's Bellinger been ruled out. Has already been ruled yeah. out for the Dallas game. That's what I was going to say. And that's a smart move. And I talked to uh, Aziz Ojolari today. That's the other he was eligible to be, be activated this week. And there was some thinking that possibly he might, but in talking to him, no. They decided not to activate him for practice this week. They're waiting until the following week against Washington. And I think that's exactly the situation, Sean. Yeah. I believe that the Giants understand the weight of these games coming up. And there's a lot more weight, as we already discussed, right. in the next three games than there is for this Thursday. So why would you make moves with those two guys coming back if you did not have to do it? Why why take that chance? Right. You get a little half a buy here. So I guess what we're painting the picture of is if the Giants go and lose this game to the Cowboys and it's two in a row and they're seven and four and people are freaking out and Washington goes and beats Atlanta – you're going to suffer that initial feeling as a fan of that pit of the stomach of, oh, I hate this. I hope this isn't a collapse. But understand that you could turn around in another week or so, Paul, and go, wait a minute. Bellinger's playing? Wait a minute. Ojolari's playing? Evan Neal's playing? You're going to start to be motivated by good news of injuries, even though it feels devastating right now. By the time that Commander game comes, and you're going to be all excited and pumped up, and then the Giants might have that little extra pep in them step themselves. So I think they're handling this right with both Ojolari and Bellinger. I, I really do. Uh, and if again, you start getting guys more all systems go in another 10 days or so for Washington, that's going to be of the utmost importance. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think yeah. quite frankly, uh, if they can somehow get through this game and whatever the result is, as long as they can get through this game without getting anybody else added to the injury report, I think there will be a sigh of relief amongst those in the organization because they know that getting that week and a half before playing the ultra-important part of their schedule, starting with Washington, uh, that, that's going to help them a lot in terms of their potential outlook in what we believe are the three most important games of their schedule. Okay, so now let's look to the game that, look, it's inevitable not to feel negative about, right? I mean, the Dallas Cowboys come off an absolute trouncing of the Minnesota Vikings. The Giants come off a loss, and then all of these injuries as well. Uh, and now going on the road, short week, it feels like everything is going against the Giants here. And the NFL is a funny league. It's a weird league. So I'm not automatically chalking up loss, even though I will personally tell you I don't believe they win the game. This game versus Dallas, in the first game, the Giants were also dealing with injury, right? I mean, there was no Leonard Williams in that game, and you could very see, see you know, very, see clearly how the Dallas Cowboys were able to pick up these chunk yardage run plays without Leonard Williams in the middle of that game, if you remember. 
Now, the Cowboys do such a good job also passing into the backs. They did last week with Tony Pollard. They got him more involved in the passing game. I am worried about that matchup with some of the Giants linebackers. Because remember, Paul, I think it was one or two when I went back and watched the Lions game where they really tried to attack Micah McFadden with their fullback and passes out, and there was a couple drops there. That's the part of the game defensively that worries me is the, these plays out of the backfield, throwing the ball to backs and seeing the linebackers in this game get exposed. However, if you're just talking about a front four situation, Look, if the Giants can have any shot in this game, they need A-plus-plus plus efforts from Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Kayvon Thibodeau up front and to hold the fort. Look, if their second-level guys like Jalen Smith, Ma- Micah McFadden, Tate Crowder are getting killed, well, that was kind of be expected. If CeeDee Lamb is running on a bad Fabian Moreau or a Nick McLeod, okay, that could be expected. But if the Giants have any shot, they got to win the war up front in the trenches the way the Lions did to them a week ago. There's no doubt. Look, it's an NFC East game against an arch rival. You better bring your heavyweight punch to this game on both sides of the line of scrimmage to have any chance to compete. I'm not even talking about winning. To compete. You need to come out throwing haymakers from the very beginning on both sides of the line. And as as far as the Cowboys are concerned, understand something. Yeah, they beat the Giants by one score last time. And it was only because Sills fell down with about a minute and a half to go that Diggs picked off Daniel Jones on what potentially could have been a game-tying touchdown drive. So let's not forget that. But you mentioned the fact that Dallas ran the ball well that night. Leonard Williams was not in the lineup. Darius Slayton had been a forgotten man at that point in time. Yeah, And now, obviously, that's a plus for the Giants. Uh, But look at the other side. Schultz, who was the second-leading receiver on the Cowboys, did not play in that game. He had a banged-up knee. Michael Gallup did not play in that game with the Cowboys as he was banged up. You're right. Here's the problem, Sean. I disagree with you about the linebackers. For me, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying the Giants have three healthy cornerbacks. Three. Flott, McLeod, and Williams. Exactly how many experienced NFL snaps have those three guys taken in their lives? Yeah. Not a whole lot. Now That's uh, your problem. Now, did I miss a Holmes injury, or are we counting him as a safety in this game? Holmes, Holmes is a slot for me. Okay. Oh, I, don't, so you're I don't not... count him as a boundary. He's not a boundary. Okay, I, I, I thought you just said corner. Okay, you mean boundary. Okay. Yeah, so... when I say corner, I mean boundary. Boundary, okay. Holmes is a slot. I don't, I don't consider him in that equation. Now, maybe Wink Martindale decides to move Holmes out there. Maybe he, maybe he goes that way, and he says, you know what? Holmes, you play on the boundary, and McLeod, you played some slot for us before. Maybe they'll put him in the slot. That could happen. Wake Martindale's going to have to get creative in this game. But as it stands today, Williams and Flott uh, and McLeod are your three boundary corners. And with all due respect to those guys, and you know I like Flott, you know I like Williams, but they are as green as the celery on your supermarket shelf. Yeah. This is a hell of a spot for them. This reeks of like a Michael Coe starting on the outside situation for the Giants in this kind of game. Look, there's no doubt. There, I mean, there's no way to spin it. There's no way to be positive. Okay, that's going to, I mean, Paul, that's going to bring me to the other side of the ball then in this game before we do, you know, our official game picks. Um, look, the Cowboys really got after it. Daniel Jones was running for his life in the last game, and clearly the Giants' offensive line is in flux here. 
Um, Andrew Thomas was listed on the injury report as having a little bit of an illness, which is something you don't want to see as well. Micah Parsons has two injuries in this game. You expect him to play, but clearly he's not 100%. Trayvon Diggs himself is not 100%. I know I'm grasping at straws a little bit, but the Giants still have RB1 in Saquon Barkley, QB1 in Daniel Jones, who, by the way, is going to have to use his legs and, and read options. And I'm sorry, he's just going to have to be that guy in this game. He's going to have to get, get yards and keep them off kilter. He did so versus Dallas in game one. They do have Darius Slayton. Somehow, some way, if the Giants are going to find a way to formulate win this game, they can't sit back and score 17 points between those guys. They got to figure out a way to sustain long drives against a defense that has been susceptible to the run and finish those drives, finding a way into the end zone, Paul. So Dallas will do exactly what the Detroit Lions did last week, and they will stack and stuff the box and try to out-physical the Giants on the line of scrimmage after saying that the Giants did not punch back against Detroit last weekend. And so the Giants potentially, based on this Tuesday injury report, we know game time decisions, so Thomas may not be in there, Lemieux may not be in there, all right, we talked about the fact that Gates could be the center over Feliciano, and we know Gates is as tough as nails, so he will punch anybody in the mouth. Right. We know Glowinski's a tough guy, so I'm not worried about him getting physical and nasty if he has to, but we don't necessarily believe that Neil is going to play. So you could have three-fifths of your offensive line being replacement parts in what needs to be a heavyweight slugfest. I don't think that's a very comfortable feeling if you're the Giants. Yeah, I, again, I don't disagree. It sounds like we're doing a funeral podcast, Paul. It really does. But it's the reality. When And look, maybe hopefully we're high-fiving on Friday and something different. So I think we're going down an inevitable loss road, a collective loss road. But hey, no time like the current than to give our game picks for Thursday on Thanksgiving. I know you're not a gambler, Paul. The spread is at nine, nine and a half in some places for what it's worth. People love the Cowboys off of what they just did. Combine it with the Giants. Uh, obviously problems. So I want you to give me a score and I want you to give, if you can dig in the back of your mind and find some kind of spin of positivity and assume the Giants don't shut out, uh, don't get shut out a fantasy play, Paul. What do we got here? Well, the path to victory for the Giants, and it's a very narrow path at that, they got to find a way to win the turnover battle and do it by even more than one. I think they got to be plus two or plus three to win this game. Now, Dallas so far this season has only given up nine turnovers. Okay, they have been sensational in protecting the football. Seven interceptions. Of course, Prescott, I believe, has four in his last six games. Uh, and, and two lost fumbles. They're a plus seven in takeaway ratio, which puts them tied for third in the NFL. So that is the one path to victory that the Giants really have in this game. And Dallas does not appear to be a kind of team that's going to give them that road. I've got 31 to 13 Cowboys. I just don't think that that road is going to be clear enough. If somehow, though, the Giants can pry that ball free and give themselves a couple of short fields and prevent a Dallas score with a turnover. You know what? Upsets happen in this league all the time. We talked about how the Vikings got thrashed at home by Dallas last week. Nothing's impossible. You got to play the game. But as you diagram it out, 
the path to victory for the Giants is certainly very slim. So, yeah, I agree. And, and a week ago, I had said, not necessarily here. Now, I picked the Giants to beat the Lions, and I thought they would. But in the back of my head, I said, you know, even if they lose to the Lions, I could see it happening, you know, weird things in the NFL. And I said, watch the Giants go beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, that is with the assumption that Dory Jackson was going to be healthy, Wondell Robinson was going to be healthy. I'm not even fixated necessarily on the offensive line injuries, which were neither here nor there. Oh, by the way, Fabian Moreau, Moreau, who's going to be a game-time decision in this game. Unfortunately, I'm with you, Paul. This is a game where, yeah, it's the NFL. Anything can happen, and we could be in completely different spirits talking about, holy cow, Dable's a god. He did it again. Next man up, Daniel Jones. How unbelievable was he? 300 yards. I mean, all of that is on the table. But when it's when it's not only injuries, but it's injuries and a short week to even try to get anything back off the injuries, that's what kills it too. I mean, if this game is on Sunday, I might even think further a little different. It's the idea of Thursday off all the injuries. More and a road game. And yeah, a road game. And a road game. So I am also going to give the Dallas Cowboys 31 points here. However, I will give the Giants more offensively. And maybe that includes a very late touchdown, you know, an Isaiah Hodgins, something like that. I think the Giants lose this game 31-23, which would be good enough to actually cover the number in most sports books, but it won't feel as close necessarily as the game indicates. But, you know, I can see the Giants offense having a couple a couple moments in this game. And I am going to give you an off-the-wall fantasy play. And Paul might shut off his mic, shut off his camera, and walk away here. I have this sinking feeling after last week, Kenny Galladay scoring his first touchdown as a New York Giant on Sunday. I have this sinking feeling that they're going to have a drive in this game where they're running the ball really well, they get in the red zone, and then there's just a one-for-one ball that Kenny Galladay finally, after a little confidence, comes down with it. Strike me dead. I'm an idiot. You're the only one you're going to hear me saying this, but... I wrote off Kenny Galladay a week ago, said I don't even want to see the guy again. Then he catches a pass. He's got to feel mentally good about himself. This game is so weird, and the Giant-Cowboy games have been so weird in the past. Watch Kenny Galladay go score a touchdown on Sunday. So there you go. There's my call me crazy, let me go bonkers moment from this game. Oh, hey, you know what? I've been been pulling for Kenny Galladay all season long, so I'd love to see it. But but I'm going to go back to somebody you talked about last week. See? Given that I think Dallas will have a healthy lead, the Giants would probably be very wise to get Saquon Barkley out of there. There's no sense in having him take any extra hits with the schedule that's facing them down the pike. So for me, Matt Breida, I can easily see him with his speed against that Cowboys speed outrunning somebody for a late touchdown, and it might actually be the only touchdown the Giants score in the game. By the way, Breida was my pick last week, and he got in the end zone. Cager two weeks ago for Paul, he got in the end zone. So we're red hot here. So either Breida or Galladay are scoring if you keep up with our streak. We're actually hotter than the Giants here on one giant step. Paul, enjoy Dallas. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Look, it's still a fun time to be a Giant fan, even if it feels really down right now. We will survive. We will be pumped up for a really important December stretch where we get some bodies back, and I think we can all agree on that. Gobble, gobble, baby. And don't forget the leftovers. Don't forget the leftovers. You can follow Paul. Uh, Paul, where are we getting you on Twitter here? At Giants WFAN. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. We'll be back Friday at some point with a uh, reaction pod, then one next week ahead to the Commanders game. Thanks, as always, for downloading, subscribing, and taking one giant step up. 